take a moment to pray. God be in my mouth and in my speaking. God be in our hearts and in our hearing. Amen. So church, we are in the season of Advent, the second Sunday of Advent. There are two candles lit and burning. We're halfway there. And Advent is often seen as a time of waiting, time for patience. There's a Christmas bun in the oven. It still needs a couple more weeks to cook. And there's a lot to be said for that way of approaching Advent. Time to reflect when things around us can be a bit frantic. Time to be quiet when the volume is being turned up all around us. An invitation to stop and light the candles and wait as they take their time to burn down. And those slow, contemplative, reflective rhythms of Advent, they'll always be part of the identity of the season. And they have their own way of opening us up and focusing us down and of helping us engage these big Advent concerns of repentance and renewal and readiness for the coming of Christ. But I want to suggest to you that these are not where our scriptures, and they're not scriptures I chose, they're the scriptures from uh, the the Common Lectionary. Uh, They're not where our scriptures take us today, these readings from Malachi and from Luke. These readings offer us a way into Advent which is more active, more dynamic, more vigorous, more challenging. And they do that because they focus less on waiting and more on working, on preparation, on being ready. I'm guessing that not that many of us have spent a whole lot of time recently reading Malachi. I may be wrong. Um, Me neither until this week, and before that, not much since 2015. And we get this passage in the lectionary because, as you can see if you look on your bulletin, there's a verbal echo between the two passages. Both speak of a messenger who's coming to prepare the way. A messenger who is very creatively called messenger. That's what his name means in the Hebrew. That's what Malachi means. And if we dig deeper into Malachi, we find that he is a 5th century prophet who is called by God to do the usual uncomfortable prophet thing of speaking truth to power. In Malachi's case, the focus is actually mostly on speaking truth to religious power, which he does in rather uncompromising terms. You would be better off, says Malachi to Israel, you really would be better off just shutting the temple doors. Just just don't even get the church officer to unlock them on a Sunday morning. I'm uh, paraphrasing. We'd be talking a Saturday morning, obviously. Right? Because your worship, Malachi says, well, it shows contempt for God. Everything you give to God, Malachi says, everything you bring to God is your second best. Everything you bring to God is an afterthought. You do your religion on the cheap because you're greedy 
and you're short-sighted and you don't really think that what you're doing in the temple is as important as what you're doing in the rest of your lives. So you bring the worst animals from the flock to be sacrificed, the ones that wouldn't make you any money anyway. This is one of Malachi's complaints. Therefore, God says, Malachi says, and, and if you don't believe me, go and read Malachi. God is going to rub your faces in the crap that comes from your cheapskate sacrifices. You want the Bible? You're not ready for the Bible. <laughs> Did anyone tell you that God was a polite, middle-class, elderly gent from BT9? Or the West End of Glasgow or the genteel Jerusalem suburbs, you should try reading the Bible. And if Malachi... Uh, beg your pardon. In words that might worry us today and might worry me and Steve and others, Malachi rages against those who look after the temple. And one of the things, as I say, that might worry us today is he says, you don't know how to set the Lord's table. You priests... Do you even remember what my covenant with you is all about? Malachi says it's all about life and peace. Life and peace. And it's about knowledge. It's about teaching and instruction. And the temple, Malachi says, should be somewhere where people can come and they can hear sound teaching. Somewhere where they can come and hear what makes for good religion. But you lack reverence, he says, and you lack integrity, and you don't administer the law fairly, and your men are unfaithful to their wives, and they divorce them on a whim, and in that society that leaves women economically and socially vulnerable, and Malachi says God hates that. And so God's messenger comes and says it's time to clean house. It's time to clean house. There's a theme for Advent. And here's how we're going to do it. We're going to do it with fire and we're going to do it with soap. If you want God in your life, then the scriptures suggest in many places that you will be playing with fire. From Moses at the burning bush to the pillar of fire which leads the people through the wilderness to Elijah on Mount Carmel calling down fire from heaven from the fire which burnt up offerings in the high altar to the fire which burned the first Jerusalem temple to the ground, Israel testified that it had met God in fire. And if that was sometimes awe-inspiring and mystical, at other times it was beyond painful. So in today's reading, Malachi says, the God you say that you came looking for will come looking for you. You'll get what you say you want. You'll get an advent, but when God shows up, it will be as fire. And this advent of God, Malachi says, is going to be hard to endure. You may know that moment when you're listening to Handel's Messiah. Many of us go and hear that at this time of year. And I quote from some notes The air for soprano, alto, countertenor, or bass shows the trembling in the expectation of the Lord's appearance twofold in a dramatic scene. The air begins with the pensive question, but who may abide, and continues in the sharp shift of time and tempo, prestissimo, with the statement, for he is like a refiner's fire. Forceful downward runs, leaps, and trills of the voice are accompanied by fiery figuration in the strings. 
like a dak apple, the pensive question is repeated, but in a short version, giving way once more to a prestissimo section. The statement returns a final time after a rest marked adagio, giving the soloist the opportunity to express it in a cadenza. A, prestis- a prestissimo postlude concludes the dramatic scene. That's the kind of musicological description of this passage uh, where Handel sets these words from Malachi, which is all tremendous, and it's wonderful stuff if you've listened to it, but it does make me wonder whether when we listen to it we really feel the burn, whether we feel the Malachi burn, for he is like a refiner's fire, melting the ore and burning away the impurities because God wants the gold in us, the silver in us, And what does that mean? Well, if we'd read on through Malachi chapter 3, Malachi spells it out. Those who defraud laborers of their wages, those who oppress the vulnerable, those who deprive the foreigners among you of justice, end quote. So how about Malachi seems to be saying we burn away the cruelty and the greed and the selfishness, and the injustice, and the racism, and the discrimination. How about we burn these things? All I want for Advent is universal credit, rolled out for you this December 2018 in Northern Ireland, as it is for us in Scotland, and liable to be not a great Christmas present for many of those on the receiving end of it. Or... All I want for Advent is to burn up the lies around the RHI. If Malachi's first image of fire is devastating and severe, the second image is more comic. It's straight from the steamy. Do you know what a steamy is over here? In Glasgow, the steamy was the wash house where women used to, mostly women, used to take uh, their laundry and wash it together in the bad old days. Um, God's messenger, says Malachi, is like fuller's soap, which is basically concentrated laundry detergent, Persil, Daz, or Ariel. Other more eco-friendly brands are also available (laughs) because the people are grubby. Their financial transactions, their sexual transactions the political deals they make, the quality of their media and their journalism. Thus says the Lord, you are a bunch of soap dodgers. Your Sunday clothes are spattered with mud, and worse with that, some of them with blood. So strip them off already and put them straight in the machine. You're not fit to show up in the temple looking like that, says Malachi, you're manky. So you'll get Advent, but it will hit you like the soap in the hot wash cycle, and bright colours may run. You Levites and you priests and you ministers of the gospel, you are to be my soap dispensers. Although, first of all, you better be sure to use it on yourselves. All I want for Advent, God says, is for you to finally clean your act up. Stop laundering the money. Start laundering the corporate ethics. All I want for a Fitzroy Advent, says Malachi, is fire and soap. 
That should do it. And if Malachi seems a bit over the top for us, well, Luke has an alternative, but don't hold your breath for it to be a Febreze either. (laughs) In his gospel, Luke brings us the story of a man who has been associated with Malachi's prophecy from the earliest days of the church. And if you look, you'll see there's a very deliberate setup for the appearance of God's messenger, John the Baptist, in Luke. So how does he set up John's appearance? Well, let's call it an exercise in power mapping. In the third year of the reign of the clown emperor Trump, of the mafia boss Putin, in the last week of Prime Minister May, question mark, when Nicola was first minister of Scotland, amen, And Mark Drakeford was newly appointed First Minister of Wales and, to be confirmed, was First Minister of Northern Ireland, (laughs) ably assisted by Watch This Space as Deputy First Minister. Or, as Luke actually said, when Tiberius Pilate, Herod Philip, Lysanias, Annas and Caiaphas were in power, When all these men were occupying the positions of political and spiritual power and influence, when they ruled in Rome and Judea and Galilee and Jerusalem, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness, to which the only appropriate response is to who and where. The wilderness is the place where it often seems as if there is only sand. Deserted desert, unwanted land, away from the power centers and the fertile farms. But what Luke claims is that here on the edge of society is where God is starting again and speaking again. And here John the Baptist is taking up an old prophetic theme. And that's the theme that God is going to bring the exiles home from Babylon across the wilderness, across the desert sands. God is going to make a way. And so if you believe that promise that one day you're coming home from Babylon, then the hopeful thing that you do is you get ready for it and you build a way and you build a road. And as you build the road before the journey happens, you show that you believe in God's future. You get your imagination fired up by the change that God is bringing and you teach the people the old chain gang songs and you make sure the new road builders know how to sing them. Don't let me down here, okay? I don't know, but I've been told. Now's the time to build that road. Every valley shall be filled. Every mountain shall be moved. moved. All that's crooked will be straight. straight. And all that's rough will be made plain. plain. God's salvation will be shown. shown. And God's salvation will be known. This is a song for building a road which also sounds like a lot of work, more than it does like a lot of waiting. 
And a couple of people in Northern Ireland have suggested to me since I arrived on Friday that politics here in Advent 2018 still involves a lot of waiting. But maybe Luke would call for some more working because there are mountains to be moved one shovel at a time in the frozen ground. And there are rough places to be smoothed over, one rough, obstinate meter at a time. And there are valleys to be filled in, and there are crooked ways. There are crooked ways. If John the Baptist begins in the sand of the wilderness, he moves quickly to the water of the River Jordan and he has a message of repentance and forgiveness because baptism is a sign, where's your font over here, is a sign of new beginnings, a sign of turning away from the world, the flesh and the devil, it's a washing away of the past, it's a dying to all that deals death, it's a rising to new life. And in a world which is terrorized by hatred and revenge, by bitterness and violence, baptism is the sign of forgiveness, of forgiveness and new beginnings. Away from the imperial palace and the governor's mansion and the government buildings and the high priest's manse, there is another power at work in the world. There is another political project, one which is calling people to come home to God, one which is promising salvation, one which is calling people to the water where they can make a sign of starting again with God. So all I want for Advent is fire and soap, is sand and water, is bread and wine. Because in this service, we come just as we are, seeking to be touched by the grace and love of God. And at this table, and in this sacrament, we believe we will experience the advent of God in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ will come to meet us in word and sign and symbol, in his own real risen spiritual presence. And that meeting and that encounter is one that we are never fully prepared for. There is, as with Malachi, a suddenness to it. Maybe even also sometimes a fearfulness. But it's also what our baptism calls us to. And this meal is always, is always feeding us with grace and with love and leading us to what Malachi's priests should have been leading the people to, to life and peace. So God's beloved church and friends of Jesus Christ, I tried to bring the word to you this morning, which was the word I heard in Malachi and Luke. And forgive me if in any of it I spoke out of turn as an ignorant outsider. You have your own beloved insider coming up now to serve us at the Lord's table. But God knows us inside out. And God knows what we need in this momentous week. You and I as individuals and Fitzroy as a church community and Northern Ireland as the UK and the UK as a political community. God knows what we need. But maybe this Advent and this morning what we need is fire and soap and sand and water.
and bread and wine.